Amen. Good stuff. Hey, grab your Bibles if you would. And turn with me to the book of Acts. We're going to chapter 4 today. There's a lot of different places I could go. But I wanted to talk to you for a second about a topic that you can't go very far at all in the book of Acts without seeing. It's, it's, a, it's a topic, in fact, in, in the seat, seats in, in front of you there, there should be some notes, and I think there's some fill-in-the-blanks. Really encourage you to grab those notes this morning, fill those out, and if it helps you to concentrate, go, go ahead, doodle, whatever, whatever it takes. And, um, you know, the, the interesting thing, let me just encourage you with something. Every time someone preaches or teaches the Word, there's something powerful about the Word of God going forward. I could get up here and talk to you about Scott's wisdom. We'd only be here for a short time. But if I get up here and I can share with you the wisdom of Almighty God, the Word of God going forward, something powerful happens. And this is what, as you grow in the Lord, let me tell you what's going to start happening. As you grow in your faith and you listen to preachers, pastors, whoever, preaching the Word, this is what's going to happen. You're going to hear what they're saying. And you're going to hear Scott, that's me, talk about um, the topic today, and you're going to hear me, and there's going to be things that are going to connect with your heart. But let me just tell you what's also going to start happening. Just get ready if you haven't, this hasn't happened yet. It will happen. All of a sudden, there's going to be a thought that's going to be a Holy Spirit thought. And, And, you know, there are even times when after service, someone will come up to me and say, Scott, you know when you said this, this, and this? That was powerful. I never forgot that. And, and I'm thinking, I don't think I ever said that. <laughs> and, 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 and it's not a creepy thing. It's not a weird thing. It's just like when the Holy Spirit's present and the Word of God's going forward, there's two people speaking today. There's, there's the Holy Spirit speaking through me, um, and then there's also the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. And so that when I say open up your heart, keep your heart open, who knows what God's going to speak into your heart today. Just get ready and um, uh, let, the, let the Word of God challenge you today. Let the Word of God change your life today. I want to talk to you about this idea, outflow evangelism. Outflow evangelism. What am I talking about? Well, let me just, let me bring out the old baseball glove. Now, what you're seeing in front of you today is a piece of Little League history. Yes, this is the glove that I, I played the last few years of Little League Baseball with, Sean. Remember that one right there? There it is. The thief is what it's called. And can I tell you, I thieved many baseballs with this puppy right here. I always played first base. And it was because then I didn't have to move. <laughs> it's like, I just got to step over here and catch the ball. Just got to step over here and catch the ball. I played with a second baseman for a long time. His name was Corbett Troyer. And Corbett would say, Scott, anything comes over here, I got it. And I'm like, it's all yours. All I got to do is step over and catch the ball, catch the ball. You know, the thing about baseball, the thing about any sport, this is what happens. Is the, the goal is that you practice, practice, practice. You practice fielding the ground balls. You practice catching the pop flies over and over and over again. We'd have practice, baseball practice, right? And what would you practice? Ground balls, pop flies, hitting, hitting the ball. I mean, you practice, practice, practice. Why? Because then when you're in the game, what happens? It's just a natural outflow of your practice. You don't have to think, oh, there's a ball coming towards me on the ground. What should I do? No, it's just is a natural outflow. Instinct just I'm going to go down. I'm going to get that thing. I would go lower than this, but that's about as low as I can go today. (laughs) Old man. There's a pop fly. What should I do? Oh, I got an idea. I'm going to maybe step back and 
judge where I'm at, and I'm going to put my glove up, and I'm going to catch that puppy. It, are you thinking? No, what happens is it's just natural. It's a natural outflow of all that practice. Now, I know it's hard for most of you to think of me as a sportsman, but... <laughs> I also remember when I played tennis. I didn't bring my tennis racket today, but when I played tennis one summer, I, I, I took tennis lessons, and this is what it was. It was bounce, back, hit. Bounce, back, hit. What, 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 what was that? I, I remember that. That's one thing I remember from my tennis lessons more than anything else is when the ball would bounce, you take your tennis racket back, and you hit that ball. Bounce, back, hit. Bounce, back, hit. Our coach drilled that in to us, to where I remember it, bounce, back, hit. Do you know when I was out there on the tennis court and I was playing tennis, did I have to, oh, there's a tennis ball coming my direction. What shall I do? No, it was natural. It was a natural outflow because I had practiced, practiced, practiced. The natural outflow of what was going on here is I was going to bounce, take my racket back, and I was going to hit that puppy and pray it gets over the net. What's your point, Scott? Well, this, is, this is what you studied the book of Acts with me. Because when I say the E word, you ready for this? Evangelism. All across this room, there's different thoughts. I mean, there's thoughts about evangelism, sharing your Christ, or sharing Christ, Jesus, there we go, sharing Jesus with, with others, you know, sharing the good news, and we'll talk about that in a second. But when I share, some of you get all nervous, and some of you, you have that evangelistic gift, you're like, yeah, why don't we do more of that? Come on, why do we, and you're just like, we should see more people, one to Christ, blah, blah, and I, I'm with you there. We all have different gifts, but the, the fact of the matter is, every single person who is born again, every single person who calls Jesus Christ your Lord, your Savior, should, we should be involved in evangelism. We should be involved in helping people find Christ. And this is what I see in the book of Acts. It wasn't necessarily a high uh, stress thing. Evangelism was just kind of a natural outflow of their lives. An outflow of what? Acts 2.42, we talk about it all the time. And they devoted themselves to what? They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to the word of God. You know what, what, what I'm saying here? In fact, what I'm getting ready to say right here, I could say and we could be done, but I've got more. Here it is, though. They devoted themselves to what? The word of God. The more you're devoted to the word of God, let me tell you what ought to happen. The more you know the word of God, the more the, more the passion to help others find Christ ought to rise up inside of you. It all just be a natural thing. But have you ever found somebody, the more they were in church, the more they got around the word of God, the more they thought they knew and the more prideful they got and the more they thought they looked down at their nose at others who are unbelievers. And, and that's, not, that's not God's heart at all. In fact, in the book of Acts, it looks like the more they devoted themselves to the word of God, the more they <laughs> sought and they went after and they saw people come to Christ. What about um, fellowship? You know, they, they'll, they'll know we're Christians by our Christian t-shirts. Right, I agree. That was a, oh, I had the best back when I was a teenager. I had the, instead of Reebok, it was Reborn. And, you know, you know the drug shirt? I still can't believe I wore this. The, but the, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs, and it's an egg frying, you know. This is your brain. This is your brain in hell. I can't believe I wore that one. And, 
It's very evangelistic. Want a lot of people to Jesus with that one. <laughs> Maybe the ultimate is, can I taco to you about Jesus? You ever, I never owned that one, but I've seen it. It's a taco. Can I taco to you about Jesus? No, they'll know we are Christians by what? By our love. That someone could come and be around you, visit your, your life group, your small group, and they'd sit in that place. They could come into this church and be around us for any length of time and say, hmm, there's something there. That they would be a part of our student ministries, our kids' ministry. Say, there's just a lot of love there. I don't know. I want that. That's something that I want. I, I want that, that they would be, that the, as a church, we would be so devoted to fellowship and true fellowship. And not just um, loving one another at all costs, but loving enough to confront and say, hey, there's sin in your life, there's this, there's that. Loving enough to be honest with one another and felt committed to the apostles' doctrine, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Drill down into that one, Jesus. Everything about your life is centered on Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The fact that he came, he lived, he died, he rose again. The fact, the more I am devoted to the cross, the more I'm devoted to Jesus, the more I am devoted to, to, the, um, to Jesus being at the center of everything, that someone could see that, the, that Jesus at the center of your life, that they'll be like, I want what he's got. I want, I, I, almost, I almost quoted the, the great prophet Carmen again. I, some of you are like, I, I did that a couple years ago, or a couple weeks ago, and let me say, I want some of that, some of that. I want what they have. If you don't know who Carmen is, go back to the 1980s. Carmen was, was one of the most amazing um, uh, Christian musicians ever back in the day. Kind of corny, but very effective. Go back and listen to some of his music in the 80s. Um, but Carmen, he had a song, I want some of that. He, I want some of that. They ought to be able to see that Jesus is so a part of the center of your life. The more Jesus, your life is built around Jesus, and the more you're compassionate like Jesus, the more you're loving like Jesus, and the more you confront sin like Jesus. Because uh, sometimes we, we th only think of Jesus as the, the loving, compassionate, caring. He doesn't ever stir things up. Oh, no. I'd say walking into the temple, turning over tables and confronting sin, I'd say that's pretty straightforward in your face. It's all of that. The more of that that we're embracing, that Jesus is at our center, our core center, he's not just an added thing to our life, the, mo the, more, the, the more it ought to drive us to point others to Jesus. The last one is prayer. The more we pray, the more we ought to have God's heart for lost people, because lost people matter to God. When I say lost people, I'm talking about people that have, have no faith in Jesus Christ. They haven't committed their life to following Christ. They haven't repented of their sins and put their faith in Christ. Uh, do we see this in the book of Acts? Is this anywhere in the book of Acts? Well, Acts 2.41, um, we've said that many times, but there was like 3,000 people that were added after Peter's message. Do you remember that one? Acts chapter 2, verse 41, over 3,000 people. In fact, at the end of Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says, the Lord added to their number daily. Just dream with me a little bit. What would that look like for Pathway if every single day one of us was leading someone to Jesus? You go to Acts chapter 4, where, where we're at with uh, Peter um, and John before the Sanhedrin, 
Uh, I'm going to read verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guards and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. Verse 2. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Well, that's just a couple of... Well, let's keep going. Acts chapter 5, verse 14 says it this way. Here it is. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. This is what it says. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, increasing, increasing... Acts chapter uh, 6, verse 7. Even some, uh, some priests, check this out. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. These are simply religious people. These are priests who knew about God but didn't really understand who God was through his son, Jesus Christ. Coming to Jesus. Acts chapter 8 through 9. We got a whole slew of Samaritans finding Jesus. Um, we got Simon the sorcerer finding Jesus. Isn't that funny? I, uh, when we get to heaven, I just want to meet all these people. You know, like the, the wee little man, Zacchaeus, you know? I'm sorry they called you that. I mean, we called you that your whole life, your wee little man. You just, Simon the sorcerer, you know? Um, you, 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 you find these people that are, you got their Bible titles, but I'm sure they had real names as well. But he finds Jesus. He gives us, puts his faith in Jesus. There's this other dude named Saul, Paul. He gets saved. And he puts his faith in Christ. Um, you see then in, I think it's verse 31 of chapter 9, it says, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria grew in numbers. Do I need to go on? It says, you continue on in the book of Acts. You see the missionaries going out, being sent out. And what was happening there? The missionaries were being sent out. What did they do? They started churches. They, they, they led people to Christ. They started churches. They placed leadership, eldership over that. And then they'd move on to somewhere else over and over and over and over again. So what's your point? Well, one point is this. Let me just say this. God, God wants this church to continually be growing. and wants us to continually be reaching people with the gospel. And in, in, in our heart, in our passion here at Pathway, really is to see people that are like many of us. We know about God, or at one point we knew about God, but we didn't really know about God through his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, I was sharing with our missionaries a, a testimony of someone who attended here for a while, um, that the first place they ever, they grew up in church, is another denomination, whatever, but they grew up in church their whole life they were in church. But the first time they ever really understood the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to die for my sins as a personal thing, was when they stepped foot in pathway. And there's some of you, you, you would have that same testimony. And I'm, I'm not bragging on pathway, I'm just saying, glory to God, that's why we're here. We're here to point people to Jesus. And the more we grow in our faith, the more devoted we become to Acts 2.42, the more we're just, we, we're, we're doing it. We're making it happen. We're, you know, you got those baseball practices, you're cra- catching the ground balls, the, uh, the fly balls. The more you're practicing, practicing, the more you're devoted, the more I'm devoted, the more we're devoted to Acts 2.42. Let me tell you what, what will happen. It'll, it'll, it'll begin to be a natural outflow of evangelism in our lives. What's the importance of evangelism, though? What's the big deal? 
Why is evangelism so important? Whether it's outflow of evangelism, just naturally, it just is happening. I'm not saying there should never be a point where you and I um, need to just think specifically, okay, who am I gonna share? There's times when we need to be, we need to be strategic. What I'm saying is, for some of us here, for instance, growing up, they meant the best, absolute best. Um, but our, our youth pastor would throw us all in the old church bus, the blue church bus, and we'd go downtown Elkhart at night, you know, safe place, great place for teenagers just to be walking the streets. And they push us out of the bus and pretty much say, now go share Christ with people. Very little training. Uh, every once in a while, um, uh, we'd have a survey or something to try to, <clears throat> to try to get conversation going. But can I tell you, had the best of I mean, intentions, but it did more to scare the death out of me. I mean, it did more to scare me to death than it did to help me to learn how to share Christ with somebody. In fact, it, it was one of those things where if I never do that again, I think I'd be okay. I know we're not supposed to say that, but that's, that's really kind of the experience I had in, in just downtown, late night, walking the streets of Elkhart, sharing the, uh, the gospel. Uh, I never felt like it, we were very effective. And I'll never forget one time, um, I was Scott Miller. There's this other kid named Scott Yoder, and um, he now pastors a church in Plymouth. But Scott Yoder, he, he forgot John 3.16. He was so nervous. And, <laughs> John 3 16 says for God so loved and he's so nervous I was like I was so glad I was there we were a team he loved the world Scott yeah that he gave his only begotten son I said coming through for my brother but here, here's the deal there are people downtown Elkhart that need the gospel so I'm not saying you know there shouldn't be some kind of outreach I'm not saying that at all but what, what I what what we just envision is this is is if if we are committed to, to functioning as an Acts 2.42 church where, where we're devoted to these things that we talk about all the time, I'm just gonna tell you, it's just gonna be a natural outflow of evangelism. And evangelism is important. Any kind of evangelism is important. Let me tell you why. First reason is this, it's in your notes. Evangelism keeps the main thing the main thing. It keeps the main thing the main thing. What do you mean? Not just with what you're sharing, when you share the gospel with somebody, but even in your life. You know, I, I, well, let's face it, I, I am a politician. I serve on the town council here in Middlebury. And so there's, there's, there's a political side of things that obviously I'm kind of passionate about. But my political passion should never overtake my passion for Jesus. Jesus is the main thing. Jesus is it. The gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. This is Paul. Can you go to that last, the last slide, verse 4? I want to just zoom in on. That he was, okay, no, verse 3. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. This is first importance. This is the most important thing right here. He said that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was, so he died, he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This is it. You see, why is it so important that all of us are a part of evangelism, that we're a part of sharing Christ? It's because it helps keep the main thing, the main thing in our lives, in your life. Um, this is how important it is for us to embrace because Romans chapter 10, verse 9, you know this if you've ever memorized the Romans road, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
You put your faith in God. You put your faith in the word of God. That that is truth. And so I put my faith in Jesus Christ. It's the same message that ought to be fuel for us to impact our neighbors, our community. You know, sometimes we throw out this, this word, the good news. There's over, I think it's over 90 times in the New Testament, the word good news is, is mentioned. What is the good news? The good news. Um, excuse me, the gospel. That's, that's what I mean, the, the gospel. Over 90 times the gospel is mentioned, and I just told you what it is. It's the, it's the good news. So the gospel literally means the good news. So what is the good news? What is the gospel? Well, brothers and sisters, we need to go out spreading the gospel. Bless the Lord. What is the gospel? Well, in, in, in simple form is this. is the information needed to help point someone to faith in Jesus Christ and repentance. I mean, that's, that's maybe oversimplification, but really, it, it's, the gospel message could include your testimony, uh, and it should. But it definitely includes the fact that Jesus Christ came, lived, died, rose again, right? That's, that's the basis. If, if we have a Christless gospel, it's no gospel at all. So Jesus Christ is in there, but any, the information needed. So when we talk about sharing the gospel, really it's, it's sharing the gospel story of Jesus Christ and even sharing your story and other information needed to help point that person to Jesus. And it's the power of the gospel lived out that affects not only our eternity, but our here and now. Because would you agree with me that our goal is not just to make it to heaven. Our goal is to take as many with us as possible. Our goal is to populate heaven and empty out hell, right? I mean, that's our goal. The other day, I was, I was just slapped in the face by someone um, uh, who, okay, well, they're, they're a believer, and they shared a book, and I, and I, just, I did, just read just a little bit of the book, and I was like, I, I can't get on board with this. I mean, it was, it, it was, it was just the idea of we're here more to serve and, uh, and I'm not saying Jesus came to serve, not to be served. I'm all about that. But ultimately, we can serve our faces off. But if the gospel is never presented, if, if the fact that Jesus Christ is never presented, if it's never verbalized, man, um, and, and, and I know that even some people say, well, I, I don't really verbalize my faith much. I just try to live it out. And I'm all for life evangelism. Just let them see Jesus in me. But I want to remind you something. Look at the book of Acts over and over and over and over again. They vocalized the gospel. They vocalized Jesus Christ and that they need to, what must we do to be saved? Repent. There's got to come a point where we vocalize and share it. But the, what, uh, I got to get back to the main point. The main point is this, though. The main point I'm making, number one here, is that all of this, Jesus Christ, the, the more we're thinking, I, I'm here to, to share my, 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 uh, the love I have for Christ and the, the message of Christ, the more centered our lives ought to be on Jesus Christ. Let me, let me hit another one. Number two, outflow evangelism or any kind of evangelism forces us to know why we believe what we believe. I've experienced this. I've got a friend, I think that you'd, you'd call him an agnostic. And, um, and, you know, there's times when he's shared, and he's very respectful. It's really interesting. He's very respectful. Um, but, uh, you know, there's times when he's asked questions, and here I am, four years of Bible college, the whole bit, you know, studying the Bible, preacher, whatever. I'm like, let me get back to you on that one. And that's okay. It's okay. If, if you're talking to someone and, and you're just kind of going back and forth and, and you're like, I'm not sure what the answer is on that one. But can I tell you, 
um, having that evangelistic uh, edge in your life, and I'm going to tell you again, evangelism is not my greatest strength. It's not my greatest strength. But at the same time, as a believer, we're all called to evangelize. So every one of us ought to have that kind of that evangelistic edge where we're always looking. I know it looks like an alien, but kind of like the antennas are up, right? No, 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 no. Just trying to figure out here, just uh, tuning in, tuning in. Uh, the, the antennas are up. We're always aware that maybe God wants to use me to share Christ with a coworker or to try to influence them with the gospel. We should always be there, but there are going to be times where you might even be stumped. I don't know what how to answer that. What do we do in those points? You say, hey, let me get back to you on that. Nothing wrong with that. Let me get back to you on that. Let me think that through, because that's a good question. Big questions, stuff like, um, um, why does God cause bad things to happen to good people, right? I mean, there's questions like that. that sometimes it's like, how do I verbalize? How do I say that? Well, the fact of the matter is, um, that's one reason why evangelism is really good in our lives. Is because there are times when, when we're going to be challenged and we ought to be ready. Philemon chapter 1, verse 6 says it this way I pray that you may be active in sharing. Active. There, it's not just I'm going to just, I'm just going to sit around and wait for people. No, I ought to be out in the, in the highways and the byways preaching to myself here. All of us, we should be out in the marketplace being active and sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. It's a great reminder of what we have in Christ. Also, think about 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. Always be prepared. God, use me. Help me. When we have that evangelistic edge, when, we, when we're part of evangelism, that, even just that outflow evangelism thing, it helps us to know what we believe and why we believe it. It's one thing to believe it. It's a whole other thing to explain it. It's one thing to believe it. It's a whole other thing to try to help someone else understand it. So let's be ready for that. Let's be on the evangelistic edge. Let's, let's be open to God. How do you want to use me today? And, and let's just, let's see more people one to Christ and putting their faith in, in Christ. Third thing, fill this in. Here it is. Evangelism allows God to give us his heart for people. His heart for people. I've shared this story with you before, but I, I just want to say it again. When, when we were starting the church, um, Megan and I were, we were talking about some of the dreams and some of the things we want to see happen. And, and I'll never forget when we got, this is 22 years ago. I'm, I'll never forget when we got to one of them. And, uh, and I wrote it down that, that we would have a heart uh, for discipleship and a heart, you know, to, to reach people with the gospel. That We would have a heart, a heart, a heart. And, she, and Megan finally spoke up, and I'm so glad she did. She said, Scott, we don't just want people to have a heart. We want to have God's heart, Right? We want them to have God's heart for discipling others. God's heart. I, I prayed it earlier. God, help us to see people through your eyes. And so as, as we look at this, allow, it allows God to give us his heart for people. Mark chapter 12, verse 29 sums it up. The most important one, Jesus said, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Number one, right there. Second is close behind you. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no command greater than these. So the obvious question then is what the dude said in the Gospel of Luke. It's recorded. Um, who's my neighbor? Right? Who is my neighbor? Who is it that I'm called to reach? Who is it that's the one that I'm, I'm supposed to reach? And the scribe asked that question in Luke chapter 10. And Jesus then shared the parable of the Good Samaritan. 
And, and out of that, the question comes, what does that look like in, in your life? You know, who is your neighbor? Everyone's your neighbor. Who are we called to love? We're called to love all of them. But let's not mistake a worldly thought process of love. It says, I just, you know, I'm just, full. all we need is love and everything's gonna be fine and I'll love you right where you're at and I'll love, love whatever you do, I'll just love you. The fact is, the most loving thing that you and I could do at times is really is to share the truth of the gospel. And, and I was talking to somebody who, who's involved in, in teaching and, and, and school administration, and, and, I, and I was just sharing my thoughts. I was just saying, listen, I know that we have a generation that's confused about all kinds of things, confused about their gender, confused about um, who I am, and and, you know, even things that we used to affirm even 10 years ago now, we're like, well, yeah, you could be that. You can do that. And my, my thought to them was, um, listen, I believe the most loving thing we can do is to look a young lady or a young man in the eyes and say, listen, God created, the way, created you the way you are on purpose. God has a plan and a purpose in your life. The most loving thing, if they get mad at us, we're just, we're telling them the truth. It's the truth. That doesn't mean that there's not some kind of uh, uh, help that we need to come alongside and help them see that revelation. But le- instead of letting things go and just kind of just, okay, you can develop your own truth and your own standards, that's not going to end well. That's gonna, not going to end well at all. In fact, uh, I, I was just studying um, or listening to this guy um, talk about uh, the, uh, the way that our countries and even our education system was built on biblical principles. Even our government was built on biblical principles. And maybe next July 4th, I'll tell you more about it. But it was so interesting. Um, but he, he talked about, th- their, their point was, you take the word of God out, which is the truth. And, you know, every public school used to have the Bible in there. And it used to, and, and we used to teach the, the basics. This was kind of the starting point out of that. Obviously, we no longer have that. And how's that going? How's that working out for us? I don't, I'm not saying I got all the answers, but I can tell you there's some basic societal norms that if, if we don't as believers come alongside and speak the truth in love, this nation's gonna go down the toilet and there won't be any nation. And so we have to love someone enough to speak the truth. We have to love them enough. This, this, this idea of, listen, God created you for something better than where you're at right now. And so let me just give you some homework right now. Could you just begin to think two or three people? Who are two or three people right now that you come in contact with on a regular basis that you really want to see come to know Christ? Now listen, family matters, all right? It's not only a show from the... 80s and 90s, but family matters. You know, you, you, it, it matters to God what happens in your family. But my encouragement would, would pray that someone else use, God would use someone else to reach your family once they're out of your house, the whole thing, like a mom, dad, all that kind of stuff. Can I just encourage you? Find two or three people that aren't, you're not related to. We should already be praying for our, our family. But someone you're not related to, and that maybe not every day, but on a regular basis, two or three people that you're trying to win to Christ two or three people that you're trying to point to Jesus. You know what what you're gonna find happens is the more you pray for them, the more connected you feel with them. And and you're gonna begin to see things happen. There are people even that are part of our church now that have been one of my two or three over the past 22 years. And we just prayed them right in. 
And I, I, want, I want you, would you find two or three people, two or three people, I, understand the heart. I, I want to make sure everyone understands what I just said. I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for your family or you shouldn't invest in your kids, especially in your family, share the gospel with them, point them to Jesus. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying for this, two or three people outside of your family, two or three people that you, you would say, you know what, I'm going to pray for these people regularly. I think every person in this room that's a born-again believer ought to have two or three people that you're regularly bringing before the Lord that don't know Christ, that you're praying, asking the Lord to use you to bring them to Christ. Outflow evangelism. Keeps, evangelism keeps our, our, our focus red hot on his heart for people. His heart. It's not just about me, it's about them. Fourth and final thing is this. Evangelism protects us from mistakenly assuming that those around us are saved. I'm going to shoot straight with you here. This is one of the biggest challenges for every person sitting in this room today, living in this community, in this area. Because people are so good at putting on the face of, yeah, I'm good, I go to church, I'm, well, fairly often, well, at least once a month, or, you know, maybe once every couple of months. I, I'm good, I'm good, and I'm saved. And I, I think it, it, it's a good thing if every once in a while we just... We, we just, Lord, just give me discernment to see. Um, I, I cannot, we cannot assume the salvation of people who simply claim the label of Christian. I know that sounds funny, but it's true. Are you really born again? Have you repented of your sins, put your faith in Christ, and are you following the Lord? You know, this yesterday, it was so awesome. They had this uh, retreat this past weekend. Jeremy and Jenna and the, their whole staff had this retreat for the students. And yesterday morning, I popped in, and I just stood there and worshiped. And, uh, man, I'm just so excited for what God's doing in our student ministries right now. And parents, if your kids aren't involved in our student ministries, let me tell you, you're taking and you're shooting them in the foot spiritually. Because I'm just telling you, God is, God is moving. God is doing something right now. And as I stood there yesterday morning, and as the worship team started leading them in worship, and almost that whole room of students started worshiping God, I was just overwhelmed. I mean, you get a group that size of teenagers who would completely sell out and commit to the call of Christ on their life. Listen, every teenager in this room, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to be a good kid. We're not looking to raise good kids here. We're looking to raise kids that love Jesus, that are madly committed to whatever. If there's a lot of causes out there you could be a part of, but the one God has called every person, including you two, is the cause of Jesus Christ. He came, he lived, he died, he rose again, and he wants to use you, and he will use you. Ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit, empower you to serve, and you're gonna do great things for God as you humbly follow follow him. We don't, we're not looking for good kids and good families and, and people with good families. No, here's the honest truth. Good families are going to end up in hell. I don't say that with a smile on my face. That's why for 22 years, Megan and I, we've lived, we've toiled, we've been through great times with this church. We've been through some stinky times with this church. But we're still here because we are passionate about seeing simply religious people, people who know about God but don't really know God through his son, Jesus Christ, to come to know Christ. It's more than religion. 
And I'm, I'm so excited about what God's doing. But we can't even assume that just because our kids have grown up in our family, that my kids, just because they've grown up in my family, with Megan and I talking to them and speaking life into them, speaking Jesus to them, that they're naturally going to come and that they're going to be born again. No, we need to have those conversations and make sure we're pointing them to Jesus. Matthew 5.14 says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Don't light a, a, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. We can't assume that everyone that calls himself a Christian is really born again. Let's make sure. I'm not saying we got to sit around and say, oh, 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 like we're the judge or something along those lines. But listen, if there's no fruit, then, then it's right. It's, if there's no fruit of righteousness, if there's no fruit of holiness, if there's no fruit of a changed life, then it's good for us to look at those people not just as another Christian, but as someone who I'm going to continue to try to point to Christ, that they would really come alive in Jesus Christ. Let me, let me just conclude with four quick action points, and I'm not going to spend a long time because most of you know these already. Uh, I, I encourage you to write these in your notes if they're not in there, but here it is, action points. First one is love. I, I borrowed these from Revive Indiana, so if you've been through that several years ago, but here it is, love. Love enough to speak the truth. This isn't a love that's a worldly love where I'm just gonna love you. No, I'm gonna love you, but I'm gonna love you enough to tell you the truth. I'm gonna, so I'm, I'm gonna love, I'm gonna listen. As I'm, as I'm sharing, um, as, as I'm in a relationship, a friendship, as I'm talking to somebody about Christ, whatever, I'm gonna listen. Um, the whole idea, be slow to speak and quick to listen. The whole, you got two ears, one mouth, Let's listen, where are they at? Discern, discern where they're at. Even discern the different approaches. In fact, if you, just, if you really wanna dive deeper into this, go, try this. Go to Acts chapter two, not right now, Acts chapter two, and notice um, the message that Peter preached to those um, mostly Jewish religious people. And then go to Acts chapter 17 and compare it to the message that Paul preaches to um, those in Athens. Just, just go there and, and take a look at the two differences, the Acts 2 and Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, uh, Peter goes back to David, and he kind of says, and, and he connects because he discerned this is where these people are at. In Acts chapter 17, Paul goes all the way back to the very beginning of Genesis because he realized, I'm, de I'm dealing with some different religions here. I'm dealing with some people here that I, I can't just go back to David. We don't have that in common. I'm, I gotta go all the way back to the very beginning and help them see how God was at work. So discern, what is it these people need? What is it that, that um, how, how can I best share the gospel with them? And then respond. Respond appropriately to fit their need. <clears throat> I had a friend who was in the worship team, would you come? I had a friend once, and I've shared this story before, it, uh, uh, one of my close friends from high school, and um, we we're on our way down my senior year, we we're on our way to um, spring break, and so we we're headed to Florida. It got derailed, because his grandfather died, and there's several things that happened, and, and I was, um, you know, I was, I was um, uh, we were both kind of frustrated, but we thought, no, we still have a few days, so yeah, let's drive why not? Let's just drive 15, 20 hours for two, three days in Florida. Everyone does that, right? And so, uh, so we did that. And 
I had no idea what was going on. This was my friends from high school. And I had no idea what was going on. I looked at him and I thought, you know, church regularly, good guy. Seemed like everything was going good. It's just him and I driving down to Florida. We're going to meet up with some other friends that were down there. I'll never forget the state of Alabama, though. Because once we hit Alabama, we're going to the panhandle. He just like, I, it was like a Holy Spirit moment in the, in the Pontiac Grand Am. Let me just tell you. The 1987 Pontiac Grand Am is a Holy Spirit moment. And he turned to me, and it, it was just a year or two before when my parents were killed by a drunk driver. And it's like, how can you say that God loves you when he allowed that to happen? And he just starts unloading on me all these doubts and all these things about his faith. I'm, 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 wait, 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 wait. I thought this was my good Christian friend that I'm going on spring break with. And, you know, um, we're, we're, you know, I, I've, gone to school with this guy for several years and didn't quite what where's this coming from and he just starts laying it all out there and I thought this is turning into a real God moment for him and we talked and we went back and forth back and forth and finally I said are you ready let's just pull over right now because if your heart's not right with God I you know I'm driving a little nervous uh, I don't want you to no it wasn't say I want to see you in heaven I want to make sure you're right with God let's just pull over and he said no I'm not ready so we drove and drove and drove and drove a little further. And after more conversation, he finally said, Scott, pull over, I'm ready. And it was, of all the things that happened your senior year on spring break, it's that, it, it was just amazing how God orchestrated that. And we pulled over and, and, um, and he prayed. I was like, do you want me to lead you? He said, no, I know how to pray. And so he just praised the prayer. And uh, I remember right there on the side of that highway, we just had a time of rejoicing for what God did in his life. And, and um, it was so awesome. And he came back, we came back eventually, of course. And, and, um, and his mom noticed it, his sister noticed it. Everybody noticed something changed in his life. I'll tell you what it was. It was Jesus Christ. It was, it was, it was someone who was simply religious at that point in his life. I, I, either his faith, he was just dangling, hanging on by threads, or he had actually walked away from the Lord. I don't know. All I know is something came alive in him and that time. And it's still alive in him today. He's still following Christ, his whole family. This is what, this is what I want you to get. Um, that's, that's who God is wanting us to minister to and to reach. It's people who they have some kind of an understanding of God, but they don't know God through his son, Jesus Christ are two or three people that you're praying for regularly? Who are two or three people? I, I'd encourage you to write it in your phone. Write it somewhere where you'll, where you'll see it regularly. And let's ask the Lord, prepare their heart to receive the gospel and give me the words to say to present it to them. And I want to see their life changed. God can do it. And he can do it through me. He can do it through you. Just open your lives and allow him to. Would you stand with me?